Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 29th of March 2021. Doesn't time fly when you're enjoying yourself? A year ago, we went into our first lockdown. Here we sit at the end of March with now lots and lots and lots of spring work occurring because finally it's kind of dried up enough. Not on the heavy land, but the forecast for the next two weeks is very positive. So all systems go, which is great. Very positive. So we're going to start with oilseed rape which is old crop 430. Don't think there's any for us to to buy, but if there is, then give us a call. New crop harvest 360, which is great, sort of sitting there. We have a long-term friendly kind of view to rape. We don't see much downside to it. There's no guarantees markets go up forever, and if the weather behaves itself a lot during the spring and the summer, then oils will come down in value eventually as well, even though stocks are incredibly tight. But if all goes well and there's big production, then obviously there's no guarantee it it goes up, just because we have a view that we think it might. But um, just our view remains not much pressure on rapeseed growers to sell new crop up to you guys you can probably just about scrape 400 with your bonuses so you can take it or leave it feed barley which has had it really i mean it's it's pretty pretty weak not many buyers about we would value feed barley x farm somewhere probably very close to 150 now which is a lot lower than we've been talking about in recent weeks so we kind of did call that one there is still some barley to trade but it's 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 petering out you know april april is uh, next week so told you before get on with it if you haven't done already then you know get on with it so which moves us on to feed wheat this week feed wheat has had in in the words of a, a famous football interview i can remember and I, when I, an african nation beat somebody or was, was it was it when finland beat the beat england or something in football and this guy came on and said your boys took a hell of a beating bobby charlton nobby styles you eat what and all that stuff well the feed wheat price on the futures has taken a hell of a beating it, it traded down to 194 which is 13 pounds off its peak we've been calling that market to not go down very much and it has been pretty darned weak we are, as they say, long and wrong, quite quite happily open about that. Massive, just enough to be incredibly irritating. It's nice to be right all the time, and, and when you're right, you make money. But I'm struggling with that particular market because I just can't find much of it on farm that's there to trade. I accept the consumer seems to be satisfied, and I accept that it, you know, if people telling us that they're, they've done all their purchasing till the end of June, which is a bit like Egypt saying they're not in the, in, in the import market, but... I mean, there there was one day during the last seven where the market bounced a little bit and and I was crowing about the worm turning and such like, which which has been come back in my face. But at that point, 
a load of people who said they'd finished buying till the end of June suddenly reappeared and started bidding for April wheat. And whether they actually bought that or not is another story. It is a very, very fickle and thin market. There is very limited farm supply, which we know. Is the long in the hands of the merchant? Very possibly. Maybe that's where all of the selling has come from. Has the consumer bought everything he needs to buy? He's probably well on the way towards it. Who are the shorts in the market? Who does still need to buy? Let's all remember there is still one third of the marketing year to go before we see new crop wheat. You know, it is only, well, we're still in March, so you have April, May, June and July to supply with physical grain. And that is something which is a sobering thought, if it's that hard to get your hands on. As a trader, we're trading from a long book because we, we need to have wheat around us to make sure we can supply the contrast we've got. If someone comes short and we're let down, we need to make sure that our consumers get what they want on the day they want it. So with all of that and my tail between my legs and I've got the market wrong, I guess the X-Farm value for feed wheat is in the low 190s because that's the theoretical value. If the delivered market is trading around about £200 a tonne, you've got to take six quid off haulage and a couple of quid margin so we'll call it 192 for spot wheat i do not expect to buy anything at that level but that's kind of where we're at at the moment and maybe it'll be another six or seven pounds down next week i'm not expecting it but hey this podcast has uh, on that particular subject been letting you down in the last month so with that terrible experience behind us to this moment have a great week it looks like the sun is going to shine again so positivity all around this week's chat we've got the squad back in the the trading team and and logistics are all back in the office and you can tell from the the level of debate it was it was kind of a euphoric you know we, we felt cheerful and pleased to see each other and it just reminds us of what it's like to be working in a team as opposed to you know sitting in the at the dining room table on your own on zoom like feeling miserable so back on the pitch everybody laughing hopefully you'll enjoy it thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours the dewing grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news data analysis and insights into the market giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions a commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for farm chat. All right, this week's chat is the squad. We're all back together again. And uh, we're going to start it off with opening a little piece of paper each. So can you open your bits of paper, please, boys? Ian? got number four. Number four. Uh, number four is HPA from Y Valley, currently donated by Andrew Fandel. Ben? I've got number five. <laughs> Good choice. It is Golden Ale, kindly donated by Andrew Fundell, Brian and Co. Uh, this is Golden Ale from Y Valley as well. Andrew Fundell's going to get lots of mentions because of the number of beers he sent. Josh? Number one, of course. Oh, yeah. you got the pick of the bunch <laughs> in my view, but I haven't tasted the other ones. Old Hookie, kindly donated by David Mathias. Thank you, David. Who is the Warburton's cereals director. Joe, this is, a, this is a good or bad moment for either of us. One of us happy, one of us sad. Number two. I hope. Number two. What the hell? Is Avatar. Unlucky Joe. Sorry about that. It's a Y Valley strange fruity. (laughs) I'm so happy. Sorry. 
And I have got Hop Father Y Valley. Holy Brewery. moly, it's like 5.2. Yeah, but it's got fruit in it. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really justify holy moly, Joe, 5.2. Right, but I mean, it's, some of these session beers are like three, it's two. want to be five a day, Joe. Right, we're going to start. Obviously, we're starting. We haven't drunk anything yet. So someone's going to crack these open, and that is your beer. And, you, and that was fairly done. So you've got the. Right, so we have got a number of subjects to talk about and be very grown up about. So where should we start? I'm going to start with, with things that have happened since we last had our, our conversation. Have we talked about your vaccination? Well, we can do. Well, had, I think we should congratulate you for not having a day off after your injection. I just want to say, actually, that's a very good point. If anyone who's an employer, they go and have their jab and, the, and they, they sit you down before you have it done and they say, now, you might feel really rough and not well enough to go to work. Well, I did, you know, it's, I'm not being funny. Back in the day, I'd have given this person a slap for that, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. So I had to question it and say, look, you can't say to people who work, you might not feel like going to work because they won't go to work, will they? So I definitely made a show of turning up for work and looking chipper as I as chipper as I could, so everyone could see that they also have got to come to work when they get their jab. Would you have come in if she hadn't have challenged you? Yeah, I always come in. You know I do. <laughs> but we did. Joe, Joe and I did by chance had to go and visit a farm for a very important reason, and um, we called on our colleague Ollie, who had also just had his jab, and he was in fact bed bound. He came to the door with his pajamas on, with his wife in her pajamas, and when we left, they went back to bed together. So that that was <laughs> that obviously has a very very bad effect on some people. I picked Ben on this, but real men don't really wear pajamas, do they? Do they, Ben? <laughs> Um, well, what do real men wear, Ian? What, hmm? slightly ripped purple boxer shorts? You've been looking at my boxer shorts when I bent over. <laughs> well, I couldn't miss them when your massive ass <laughs> almost hit me in the face. Well, we did, we did share a, share a um, not an intimate moment, but we... No, uh, we... Sh- was it the, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, in, in we shared a small it? flat a in Ruan. A small Ruan. flat, a very cosy little flat. We you had, were going through your Art Deco phase. It was a real one. Was it two years ago? Three years ago? I can't remember now. Two years ago. Two years ago. And so we had two days together and then the wives joined for the second part of it. And it was, yeah, it was fun actually. But Yeah, but you did keep did slandering get... me for wearing pyjama bottoms while you wore True. slightly ripped purple boxes. Well, that's, that might, I think, should we leave them in there? <laughs> right, now we, we'll, we, we need to talk about the grain market. Okay, just a bit of a chat because in the time since we've not had our little get-together, and by the way, I've just had, I've just had a slug of my Wye Valley hop father and it's just great. It's obviously their benchmark home best bet and it's, it's really good beer. Joe? Mine is the Avatar Golden Tropical Brew mm. Wye Valley Brewery. Actually, it's all right. It's actually, you know, it's really good. It, it, it is... It's got that strong taste. You know when you drink a strong bitter or something, it's got that kick to it. It's a bit like a speckled hen. Okay. It's sort of um, so not, it's not too bad. Not too fruity then. That's the bit that puts me uh, Yeah, no, it's not like a really fruity sort of out there sort of drink. It's all right. It's drinkable. But it is just a little bit sort of not really something you'd want to probably settle down and have a few of them. You'd probably just have one and then you'd, go on to something more subtle. Yeah, you'd have subtle. a hop, hop father. But yeah, no, good. Yeah. Josh, what about yours? Yeah, no, it's just decent, yeah. The hooky gold. I had it last time. It was enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. Can't go wrong with a hooky. What about you, Benjamin? The golden ale is very good. Nice and hoppy. Mm-hmm. Got a really good bitter taste there. What about you, Ian? Yeah, well, I was a bit thirsty. It's not bad. It's all right. It's a pale ale. It's got marisotta in it, actually. No, it's good. Yeah, decent beer. 
but I was, yes, thirsty, and I'm hoping we've got enough time for another one. Well, <laughs> given the fact there's only about one inch of the bloody beer left in your glass, you might as well pour yourself another one, because <laughs> you can do a second review, which will be a first, won't it? I did do an MLS run. Oh, there's more beer. Good. Anyway, well, we've, got be, we've got to talk about the grain markers. Obviously, our dedicated listeners want to talk about or want to hear our views on stuff. So, I would like to bring up some subjects that have occurred since we last spoke. China has been buying more corn. I want some thoughts on that one. They have, but before we do that, we should also talk that Asian swine flu in China is still prevalent. Right. Sorry, Sorry African swine flu. Oh, God, slip of the tongue there. Yeah. No, it won't have come from China. So that's still prevalent. Apparently it is worse than they thought, but yes, they are buying lots of corn. Yeah, which, which completely defeats the statements they've made in the past about the size of their crop and the size of their stocks. And if you look at... I had to do a talk this week for, for um, somebody and doing a bit of research, looking at the size of the stocks in China. We're relying on them telling us what the stocks are. So three-quarters of the world's stock... 200 odd million tonnes of corn stock is in China, according to the Chinese, and they bought 25 million tonnes of corn this year. One begins to suspect, you know, they're replenishing stocks at contract high. I think underlyingly, there's, there's a, a great amount of trust in the figures. They have also got a history of saying that they've, they've found traces of GM, haven't they, and, and sending things back if the market does come lower. So could there be more that hits the market after that? No, that's a good point, Josh. And actually, they haven't rejected anything for GM so yeah. far. This year, I think the demand said. I, I think we talked about this in one of the previous podcasts. But I think through my trading history, maybe with a few minor exceptions, but it's mainly been a supply-led rally or supply-side rally. But this is completely a demand-led rally since kind of well late December, January. Um, it's been quite interesting to watch it. Yeah, and is it is that demand-led rally over? Will it be satisfied by this harvest? Is the question, and that is the key to me. Is just one harvest the projected harvest this year is going to be the biggest harvest ever and yet consumption is projected to be higher so i think it continues on that actually it does seem as if the last two to three weeks marks obviously come off has it come off because of the fact that the northern hemisphere is experiencing something like spring where they are anticipating crops of some kind whereas the last three months they haven't done because it's been the wettest coldest awful worst I that's fair that they, they um, america's had some wetter weather and it's more favorable and kind of what's it brazilian harvest has progressed and whether it's kind of short-term temporary thing but i, I read something this morning one of the analysts coming out with a forecasted stock to use corn of seven and a half percent down from 10 which is the usda is saying and that's tight in any market seven and a half is tight well us usda come out on the 31st with their projected plantings and their stocks don't they so what sort of jack and all is it going to be this time i think they can't ignore the brazilian reduction in you know the, the pictures of ruined beans and they can't ignore the chinese buying can they so how can they subdue prices this time well the week previous to this one there was four million tons a million tons just over a million tons bought almost every day. So yeah. that's got to be factored in. So Yeah, but our guess is they're gonna state ninety two million acres of corn, which is which if true and the and the yield is average, then there's more than enough corn to satisfy the demand in the States and that should subdue prices. Is that is that our best guess? But if that's gonna be all corn, what happens to soybeans? On that ninety two it's suggesting about a ninety million acre bean crop so whether or not it gets trimmed back and again looking at some of the analyst comments is there was one analyst saying 83 on beans and 94 plus on corn 
We've had some really, really flat ones over the last couple of years, but the last two or three USGAs have been, yeah, back to sort of old form a bit. Yeah, the, la- the last one was poor, was crap, wasn't it? But there were a couple, maybe two or three ago, that were actually a bit more exciting. Because ever since I joined, I always got told, USDA, USDA, USDA. Every day I was at the USDA, it just did nothing. So like, anyway, I hope, I'm, I'm saying this because I want something to happen. You just, try just... and instill all your knowledge, <laughs> the next generation, and yeah. this is the thanks you get. Anyway, yeah. right. So, next subject I would like to bring up is the, is one very dear to my heart and very relevant to us. We've been very vocal about our, our belief in that the futures are likely to be squeezed. We've talked about, um, you know, the, the likely tendering and the stores available to be tendered and the volume of open position. And we are so long and wrong. You know, we're quite open about it. The market has gone, just like Webby's just gone to the beer box, the market has gone down really, really quite aggressively. Very small volume going through. Open position not really changing much. Gradually creeping down, but some days it takes a step up. Yeah, very wrong at the moment. Do we? Should we bail out, boys? No. Okay. <laughs> well, there was a technical correction yesterday, which was Wednesday. And it seems as if the open position isn't isn't getting any smaller. There's going to be someone there that, that I think the market is going to firm up. Also, there isn't exactly a great deal of wheat around, I don't think. I know we're bringing German milling wheat in, and it could be tendered. Maybe someone in, in Scotland is, is going to tender a massive amount of future stores because they're bringing so much corn in. But well, the, the, Scottish, the, the premium for Scottish wheat in the last week has gone up. The market is trading um, into five at £12 over, and it's been trading in, during the year at £4 over. Gervin is paying something like £18 over. All of those, if there's any Scottish tenders in this recent, more recent round, it's going to come straight out of future store if it gets tendered, if, if someone can't see the benefit in delivering it themselves and making more money. So I think the tender will be Kent and the West Country and a little bit in Hertfordshire. But at the moment, I think that the tenderable position maximum is about a third of the open position. And I just, I'm really intrigued as to who the short is. Well, and the other thing that we've been discussing is, you know, where is the wheat on farm? You know, the the offers have dried up. I'm sure consumers still have a bit more to buy, but they're not doing it. But there's no wheat out there. You know, have, have the consumers got cover? No, they haven't, actually. Because I, I know, you know, Norfolk isn't the centre of the world. <laughs> according to us it is but speaking to people I, I actually don't think that they have got full cover they're at 50 percent according to one i spoke to yesterday but wasn't um today sort of categorizing the physical market of a day where there's buyers and no sellers was is that not a fair comment well as, as the futures went up during the week all of a sudden the people who said they're covered till june were suddenly bidding for april wheat and they bid a price that was better than it was the day before because the futures had rallied and all the sellers ran to the hills and said they weren't going to sell it then the market turned around and came down again and the sellers dropped their price the buyers ran away so it's okay there's not much trade going on as everyone keeps running away from each other it's, it's, it's a bit of a scaredy cat game so in my view there is obviously trade to be done who is the long who is the short on the physical physical market obviously there's some trade to be done but if we had to go and find the one one thing i won't do is trade the physical book with a short book i i wouldn't want to be having to buy grain from farm because if i said you know to you joe could i buy three thousand tons of wheat from your farmers you just wouldn't find it it's been a year where people have been in a situation where they normally would hopefully see a little bit more at the end of the barn when they've just cleared out the last sort of contracted tonnage and then say yeah, we've got another, you know, load, two loads, and that just hasn't happened this year. No, we've had four or five people who've brought 14 or 15 tonnes of trailer loads into, to, you know, to tidy yeah. up, haven't we? 
Yeah, it's just trying to find that that sort of normal amount, which is hopefully great for those guys that have obviously got some still left on farm that are looking to run it until May. There's nothing. There's nothing quite like being very public. You know, podcast by by the very nature is stating what you think, and we've been very open with our with our our views. And you can tell, you know, we're still in business, so we can't get it wrong all the time. But you know, we just and we just had our figures published for last year, which is great. But as we trade this year with the long position going on in futures, it's based on the fact. That that we think something's going to happen on on, the, on our analysis, and it's not very nice being wrong. So you know, if you're if you're the other side of it and completely right, and you know you're right, then then well done. We'll we'll take our medicine and uh, we can cope. But it's just irritating. I'd, I'd do the old Kevin Keegan. I'd love it if that market went through the roof speech and I'll strut around like an unbearable knobhead. If I do actually, if we do actually see it back over 204, 205, it'll be great. It's strange that we all agree as well. That's because Andrew's brainwashed us, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) It's because we listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Beware, everybody. You are in my power. But yeah, anyway, so moving on from my favourite, I've got it completely wrong subject. Should we discuss some boat driving? Well, word has it, the person driving the boat in the Suez Canal was... Not very experienced. Was that was that the issue we for prosperity? There's Suez Canal's blocked by, by a boat that's wedged 400 metres long in the middle of it, and there's 180 vessels either side of it trying to get through, which is which is not very good. It was wasn't it the wind that took it and wedged into the side? It was the wind, but the boat had a power failure, and not to cast you know aspersions. The boat's owned by the Japanese, and apparently the last time the Suez Canal got blocked, it was a Japanese vessel again. So the boat lost power, the wind caught it, and now it is jammed. And there's, I think I saw on Twitter today, something like 237 vessels are stacked behind it. Marine the, traffic's quite interesting, actually. Yeah. Is it, yeah. And they're talking about diverting around Africa. So, I mean, there was talk yesterday, so oil's been hellishly volatile. I mean, it dropped something like 6%, and then was up 6%, tanked like 4% today. That's something to do with some of it, you know, supply lines, things like that. I mean, Ian, do you think if the British still ran the Suez Canal, this would have happened? Probably not. It is, a, it is a great moment. In 1956, we lost control, and finally something's gone wrong, you know. It's a bit sad. Okay. Straw clutching. It's a, bit like, it's a bit like gloating over the vaccines in Europe, isn't it? Oh, you yeah. know, I've got, to, I've got to, you know, as a, as a Ramona, as everybody knows, you have, to, you have to say without any doubt, Boris Johnson, who, who has 100 reasons why I'm not a fan, at least going back on his word, but the, the fact that a year ago they went after, and allegedly it was because ha- Hancock had watched the film Contagion, and the, one of the things that on that is that you couldn't get the um, the vaccine. So having watched that, he went and went, oh, what's that? We need to get the, the vaccine. Whatever happened between that cabinet, they ordered all 50 million or 500 million doses, which was brilliant. They didn't quibble about the price, and they put all the orders out there, which is the key benefit of being, you know, a, a standalone country. And and wealthy, I, I am. Yeah, that's what I, we're greedy and we're we're killing the rest of the planet now because everyone's envious. But the EU are spending their time. They started to quibble about the price before they put any orders in. And I find, I must admit, if you, any any of our foreign listeners is a little galling, we do a hundred million things wrong, and boy oh boy, do we deserve the criticism. But on this occasion, if someone's offering a product and someone pays the full price and says yep and gives the order at least a month before other people do, then it is perfectly reasonable to expect delivery of that product. 
I 100% agree. And there is someone in, in my life who indirectly, annoyingly, is in it, who is a was it was <laughs> who 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 was was a big big major Brexit Brexit supporter and was even involved in the political side of it. Anyway, I'm having a discussion with them. Recently, I heard all about how the vaccine's a load of rubbish and it's not for real and it's all an anti-vax thing. Do you think your mother-in-law listens to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) She will now. Anyway... So, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it is, it is a, been a little bit... Uh, and it is, there's lots of bad things that will come out of Brexit because there, there is people losing their jobs and there is trade that isn't able to go on and the place is stuffed full. I was talking to a pig producer earlier on. There is Dutch pork steaming into this country unchecked, piling in cheap, 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 and we can't compete with it. So people are going to go out of business on the basis of the fact we're not checking stuff coming in and you can't get stuff out of the country. It gets sent back to them. Well, yeah, and the other problem we've got which we found is that if you want to import organic products into the European Union, you have to have an office there. So you have to have an office in the European Union. Now, I'm sure there are loopholes and ways around it, but, you know, what, what an absolute nightmare. For any organic traders listening, I'm happy to go set up a, an office in Beeritz and <laughs> <laughs> and you can pay for the rent and my accommodation. Nice, oh, a rento, that's quite nice. <laughs> Don't worry, Josh will never be in the office. Yeah. <laughs> no problem, it's just a mailing address. So, I've vaccinated you lot, will be sometime before July. Has anyone got their date yet? And everyone was that much younger, aren't they? So, yeah, no, anyway, I'll, I'll be fine. And don't worry about the rest of them. So let's move on to the next the next subject, because we, you know, we've got to be tight on our time schedule as we used to be. BQP, that's a, that's a piece of possible controversial news. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That contract has gone, the big pig contract waitress have has gone between Four Farmers and ABN, back to ABN where I think it originated lots of years ago. That's big news, isn't it? That is really big news for the, for the industry in the sense that it's another quarter of a million tonnes of wheat traded through Frontier. You know, and that, and that I, I mean, that's, you know, I spend my time getting told off for, for, for being critical of, of the size of the business, but that is an, a very large contract heading in that door. It does make me think sort of chicken and egg, which, you know, which came first with the conversations about their new plant that is being proposed, you know, the million tonne of feed. 250,000 tonnes is what is... Sorry, but you mean the new ABN plant? Yeah, which is, sorry, this is the whole... Yeah, so so there's there's obviously there that's proposed another million tons of feed, and obviously the the BQP is another two hundred fifty thousand. So Webby, what do you think of your second beer? Because obviously you're getting a bit slow there, weren't you? Do you notice that? Anybody? Actually, Webby, he's halfway through his hooky. <laughs> yeah, you're halfway, but also it seems to have. What do you think? It's like them? cordial. He's what actually, have you done to that? He's actually poured it properly. When we first poured them, just to sum this up, <laughs> we're all sitting here looking for a bottle opener. Ben opens the door and leaves to get a bottle opener. Straight away, Ian just pulls the bottle opener out and opens everyone's beers. <laughs> that sums him up. There is, there, there was an in, right. There's, there is an issue between certain members of the staff, and one of the issues it, it occurred today. We have carbohydrate club and non-carbohydrate club, and and we have the, the guru who is the, the man mountain Joe Beardshaw, who is uber fit, runs 14 miles at the weekend, you know, and cycles 200 and, you know, whatever else. And falls off. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Only once. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily he landed on his head. Anyway, point is, uh, Joe, we're going to ask you some questions. So give, give Joe the mic. Right, here's the questions, right. Right, what is the, the basic theory behind all of this fuss in the Doing Grain office? Right, so... Nothing to do with anyone else, but I felt I was concerned 
by how much evidence, how much information there is about diabetes. Yeah. And and where it all comes from, yeah. where all this fear comes from. And so I actually partly to do with a, another friend of mine, Nick Hood, yeah. who also put me onto it. And it was basically to sort of rethink, or what they're talking about is rethinking eating more fat and less carbohydrate. Okay. And there's a huge amount of fear about eating fat because it's all sort of so bad. Well, we've had years of it. This has been yeah. the, the way to go. Yeah. So it, it, and it all comes back to some bloke called Ansel Keys, who said that the villain was fat and cholesterol. But in actual fact, it turns out it really wasn't. And the problem is that we get more and more people are showing signs of diabetes. Now, even the, the best of the best, the, the, the Steve Redgraves of this world that rode and... Just massive, eight yeah. carbohydrate galore. Eight carbohydrate like it was coming out of his ears and everything. He's diabetic. And he's now diabetic type 2. So? Why is that? Because he has become insulin resistant. So he cannot anymore produce enough insulin to deal with the carbohydrate that he eats. So the answer is therefore to eat more fat, less carbs. Vegetables and yeah. meat. And so it's better fat. to eat cheese and pig fat than it is to eat wholemeal bread. Essentially, that's what they're suggesting. That is what the, the key thing. And if you put it into a context of if you walked out, into your field and you said where am I going to get the carbohydrate from and where am I going to get the fat from naturally you'd find fat kicking about prehistoric man and you wouldn't find all the bread all the pasta all the other stuff available that's very true Joe and we have a prehistoric man in our office don't we Ian <laughs> now now let's, let's get that funny Ben should leap in there like a like a crazy man because he Joe and Ben were, were bubbled together. So, obviously, Ben became a believer. Can you correct that, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> Conditioned. Know, seven, <laughs> 17 stone Ben became a believer. And now, now, what do you weigh, Ben? 15 stone. See, so you lost all that weight. You weren't 17 stone, I know. But you lost, you lost a fair bit of weight because you changed your diet. And you are now Mr. Carb-Free. Yeah, I'm not carb-free. But I have, I've, you know, pastas, basically, I just don't need it. And bread... Sorry, David, right? I've kind of cut back on. But don't worry, Ian's eating enough bread for three of us. Well, but by the, the base of it is, by the sounds of it, is refined carbs. So anything that's been, you know, a potato sounds like it's okay because it was a natural form potato. Root veg, no problems. Potatoes, not, not a big problem. But smashing in a load of sugar and, and really getting tucked into your refined carbs might not be great. So if you can make a choice. You can either eat bread or you can eat more or drink more beer. And my preference is cut out the bread and then drink more beer. Speaking of which, can someone pour me an old hooky, please? And and one of our favourite things, there's also, there's a debate going on between me, Ian, Ben and Joe anyway, which is Android versus Apple, right? (laughs) And this, no, but this is not, we're not getting to that subject, but this carb debate has just split, steepened the divide. Yeah, (laughs) it's made it bigger. So it's now no longer Apple versus his carb versus non-carbs. Right, so I'm going to, I want to pour my beer, I'm going to hand the mic to Webby, who's now going to just defend his corner. (laughs) (laughs) If If you kind of look at this here, this is the winning formula. That's Ian's rig. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Webby. Webby is still fully clothed, but he's pointing to his general body, which see, is, which is massive. If we can all imagine a sausage, and then put some clothes on it, and we have Ian. More like a walrus. 
<laughs> also, this morning he decided to wear his trading director top, which is which is Ian, Ian's top, which got TD stitched on the side. This is highly fashionable. This. You stumped me. You got me. There was an incident today where Ian, who's who's had this, listened to this debate, thought, right, okay, I'll go, I'll, I will change my ways, and off he went to get some food. Now, normally, you, it's proper. Proper bear food, you know, they're sort of like little packet of crisps. Well, no, and a little sorry, sausage Andrew, roll I'm going to cut in here. So, Webby's lunch for the past week, what I've seen, it's been bacon and cheese turnover, sausage roll, and some kind of pie. Oh, and there was a couple of bowls of Cheerios tucked in there. Okay, so today, you know, and bearing in mind the level of conversation he had, off he went, and he came back with some broccoli, some eggs, some cheese, which was brie, mm-hmm. and some ham, didn't he? Right? He did, yeah. Right. Which is all of the things you've been talking about. Perfect lunch to be like slim and attractive. So he puts it in the microwave and checks it on and then does whatever he does. And he came with this sort of omelette thing. And what did you do, Ben? I, I said to him, I said, it looks very good, Ian, but you didn't need the ham. <laughs> Why didn't he need that? And you got really upset with me. <clears throat> no, I didn't. I just said... Andrew, I said, you I, did. Here he is. He's, he's turned around and he's come to your side of the fence and he's eating the stuff you told me. And you've said you didn't need the ham. So now I feel like I'm talking to my wife. <laughs> right? You know, it's fine. He had the ham. That's yeah. fine. But... There was lots of good stuff in there. I, I wasn't sure the ham was bringing anything to the party. But it was an ingredient that is acceptable, is the point, isn't it? Yes, get okay. That? Right. There was not a carb on that plate. No, but it was carbs <laughs> on the other four plates. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I... Uh... Yeah, that was a, a pretty concerted effort. It was... Um, no, I, Ian, it looked really good, and I know you were offended. Masterfully but, chefed in the microwave. Yeah, but you just didn't need the Right, question Ian. Did you, did you start hankering for more food afterwards? Yeah, I was pretty hungry, yeah. You, so, all right, so... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, are you always hankering after food? Yes, yeah. yeah. You don't get a rig like that for now. <laughs> <laughs> No, Andy gave me his, which is the obvious trick, but have a glass of water, and that sort me out. <laughs> Your stomach expands, and you feel fuller. See, if Webby wasn't a millennial and he was generation whatever it is now, he'd be he could be accused <laughs> us of calling him something or other. This is this is another problem. I'm actually not sure I'm technically an, a millennial. <laughs> no, 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 no. Technically, you are a millennial. Ian's in denial when he was born, right? <laughs> which is factually in, in 1984, stuff. which makes him a millennial. 80, 85 and beyond definitely <laughs> so if you're not a millennial what are you then it was never ever graded before millennials appeared was it yes yes it was <laughs> i am a baby, baby boomer. boomers generation x generation x i haven't heard that one until the millennials came out was it always there Ian, that's your generation you're talking about <laughs> right there is there is a divide and there is a lot of humor in our office so the, the best the best thing because we're gonna we're gonna wind it up now because we're gonna drink up here in in peace and and tease webby some more probably but the reality of it is being back at work we are back at work and I know lots of you are stuck at home still and you're doing whatever you do which is in solitude and it's very tough and all the rest of it our trading team is back together we've got enough space here to do it and I've got to say it is such a relief just to be able to do that everyone's taking the mickey out of each other the banter is superb and and it's it is good to be back isn't it Definitely. So with that happy thought, you know, I hope all of you appreciate that wherever you work, you know, if you work with a good group of people, it is the difference. And and, and, and you look forward to coming to work knowing full well that, that we're going to have something to rib Webby or Ben or Joe or Josh or, or even me if they dare. Yeah, basically, it's it's great to get back. So here we are back on the scene. Have a great week. I hope it really is warm and sunny like it's supposed to be. Yeah, Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.